Good morning, all seasons. It is so good to see you in the house. It's just good to see you. Uh, sometimes when uh, things happen around our community, I, I get a chance to help a lot. I've had people that have uh, been texting me, "Hey, can you help me with some piping? Can you help me with this? Can you?" Help? And I'm like, "I don't. I don't even have power right now. I, I don't have. I, I don't have anything myself right at the moment." And so. Uh, thankfully, yesterday, we were part of that group that yesterday finally got uh, some power on. And you may be uh, still looking for power, still looking for trying to get through. Uh, please uh, check with us, check with the desk, and let us know. Uh, write us a note, phone number. Uh, we might can get a hold of a generator or whatever. Uh, I know mine is free right now for the next little bit. I finally, uh, you know, ours was a little bitty one, so we could all pile up in the living room. And we had... That was what we had gas logs. We had a fan that, that could blow that. And I tried to plug it into the refrigerator a couple of times, but that didn't work. It, was, it wasn't a big enough generator. So, so we were able to sit in the living room all together. That was a, a first time in a long time. Believe me, Caitlin was loving that. Boy, all of us being piled. It's nothing like having a 16-year-old daughter stuck in the living room with you with no power on. Uh, that was an adventure within itself. So but if you need any assistance, need help in any way, or you know someone, because not everybody is, is fully out of it, and it'll take us some time to get, get through this. Uh, but if you do, please let us know at the back uh, desk. Just write us a note. Tell us we're, we'll be starting next week trying to help and uh, get people, you know, water, whatever we can do. And if you'd like to be part of helping in that, maybe you can do a little bit of plumbing or, or some stuff, please let me know. Uh, so we'll put you in touch with somebody if we need it. And so... Um, that's kind of where we're at, but thank you. I hope everyone is doing well. Um, I hope everybody is, and we're going to keep praying for those in Houston, Scott and Dondi, uh, Wiltshire, who was part of our church for many, many years. Uh, they're, they're part of Katy, Texas, just outside of Houston. They got hit really, really hard. There was prayer requests on Facebook, um, because they were out of power and then, then their pipes busted. And, uh, it, and I know that's going to be a long process for all of those people there. Um, Houston was not prepared for that kind of weather. And, uh, of course, most people aren't in the south. Uh, we're used to three seasons, and, and we're not used to four. We got all four of them this year. And so uh, we're, we're, we're used to the fall. You know, we get a little bit of winter overnight, but fall is our biggest. Well, that's, that's tough on us to have a fall. And uh, But this year we got a winter, so, and which makes it even more touching because uh, I'll be preaching this in, in this series. I'm fixing to start on today uh, about seasons and living your life in seasons and going through seasons. You, you're going to have to continually do this. But before I do, I just want to uh, reiterate that in March, just know that March 7th, we will be pushing out of winter and we will be headed into our spring, into our uh, season. And so if, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I did not get a packet of what's going on, of, of what we're planning. Uh, would you please just raise your hand? Maybe you weren't here the last week, two weeks. we got someone right here. Uh, just make sure they get a packet uh, right down here. Um, and, and, and we just want to make sure you've got the inside of it. You'll find a, a disc that you can plug into your computer. And you, you probably know how these work a lot better than I do. You flash drive it, and it, you can see the video that we have. Um, and... Inside the packet, you'll find just information uh, about what we're doing, the camp that we're trying to build, and, well, they ain't going to try. We're doing it. And, uh, and then as just you'll find in there, a giving 
or commitment card, and all that is is for you to read over. It's not binding. We're not holding you to any contract. It even says that in there that, that we understand that this is just what you would like to and what you're praying to be able to do over the next two years. We will be taking up an offering in the first Sunday of March. That's a couple of weeks away now. And that'll be our le uh, Legacy Sunday. And that will be the moment we will take up our offering and start the campaign as far as for the next two years. And you may say, hey, I want to give just an offering. That's fine. If you say, uh, you know, I want, I want to be part of giving each week. I want to be part of giving each month. However God lays it on your heart to be a part of what we're doing. And that's what this card will explain and everything. And if you have any questions, my number's in there, uh, everything. And I'll be sharing this more next week. I'll reiterate it heavy again, uh, show the video again so that we all are on the same page and we're kind of pushing toward what God has us to do. Um, any questions concerning this? I want to, as we're not preaching right now. I'm just answering any questions or anything that you might have had or anybody that you know. We're all good. All right. So as we keep pushing for this, I know this is like a break. Like, what is this? This is break. We're just taking a break from church, and I'm just, I'm just dealing with this right now because this is a major part of where we'll be the next two years. We've finished God's way here this last year. We've, we've, eight years ago, we were able to do this. Well, this is the next thing that God has for us and for us to build a camp for kids in this state and to have, you know, 500-plus kids plus our kids plus what we'll do in a VBS style here on the summer. Uh, just an incredible opportunity for us to touch a lot of lives. And I want to read this. I showed uh, last week an audio um, of Perry Stone talking about the importance of it. And so today I just want to read uh, an article that came from uh, the Church of God who is the youth group we're working with, you know, part of our sister, which we're our parent church. Well, the director over the entire um, nation, uh, here's what he says. He says, Summer youth camps are one of the greatest tools we have in the Church of God to seeing students saved, sanctified, baptized in the Holy Spirit, called into ministry, and discipled. Yet our students were not able to attend camps this summer. District youth rallies and month monthly youth and children's services came to a halt. Statistics and reports show that among young people, boredom, anxiety, abuse, depression, and suicide are on the rise. Fear and uncertainty have gripped the hearts of many students and children. The emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual toll on the pandemic has had and is having on our students is great indeed. Many ministry tools once used successfully to reach students are now considered unsafe or inaccessible until the pandemic is over. Even with all this knowledge and with resources limited or un unavailable, it is faulty to believe that virtual church can sustain the Jeremiah generation over the long term. While the church is distracted by social and political maneuvers, it is concerning that the Jeremiah generation is being left behind and out of focus and vision of the church. This cannot be. The Jeremiah generation is important, not only to the church tomorrow, but also to this generation is vital to the church today. And what he was saying was, just very simply, is that if we don't create opportunities and create places, this group will fall behind. We are in a unique moment because they don't have to have us. Your kids can be in the room with you and they don't have to have you. 
They can, they, can, they can be a million miles and four games away from you and be sitting two feet or in your back seat. And if we don't create moments and opportunities and places where they can come into a real existing contact with God, and that requires, you can't do that virtually, you can't do it, you have to do it in, in a place where you can create a presence and create a moment where they get to spend legitimate time with God. And that's what we're doing. We're creating a camp to where they detach from all the things of the world and for five days they get touched and they get to hear about and experience. We, we know this well. In fact, we just did an announcement. Our kids are going to, we're renting a place just down the road and several churches are going in with us because we, we know the importance. But a lot of people don't. And, and it's very important that we as a church step up and do this. Um, and, and it'll take all of us and and I'm going to need your prayers because starting in March, I'll be heading all over the state and hitting districts, uh, 15 churches at a time, to show this program to get pastors on board and other churches to commit like you're committed. Um, and so I need your prayers because this week I've got to meet with the state council. Next week I meet with district pastors. The next three weeks after that, I'll be heading on Fridays and Saturdays to meet with as many pastors as possible. And so it's, it's, a, it's a large undertaking, and, but it's important. It's very important. I hope you take time to watch the video. We'll show it again next week as we begin to pray. And I want to say thank you because, as I said from the onset, the biggest thing you can do is just be faithful with your tithes and your offerings. If you say, I don't, you know, that's not, I'm not, fine. Then just be faithful with what God gives you. Because I'm going to be praying for you every day that God just gives you the greatest wealth increase that you've ever had in your whole season of life. I'm going to pray that you get bigger checks and bigger promotions. But if you're going to use it just for you, I'm going to pray you lose it. Because they ain't going to do you no good. Me pray all that stuff and then you end up out of church. I'm like, Lord, I prayed them out of church. That ain't no good. But I'm praying that God blesses you. And if you're just faithful in what God's called you, but we're going to be we're going to be fine. We always have been. So thank you in advance as you pray over this and take this on with me, and uh, and so we'll get this done. All right. Now before I get too emotional and all that stuff, and I got to get to work. All right. This morning I want to start a series called the Seasons of Life or Seasons. Uh, Everything I'm preaching right now, as I've told you in advance, is, is about me. It's for me. I hope that you get something out of all this. I hope that it's good for you, but, but over this next five or six sermons that I preach, this is me. And I have to remind myself, just like I have talking about last week in the Holy Spirit and, and talking about different sermons, I, 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 I'm glad that it's touching you. But I want you to understand that a lot of what I'm preaching right now is because of seasons or moments that I'm going through and God is saying, all right, preach it. Preach it to yourself. Preach it to remind yourself. And it will be beneficial for you because if you're, if I'm going through stuff, you'll be going through stuff. And, and every one of us in this room are at a season of life. Every person in this room is sitting in a season of life. One, one guy says it this way. He says, there are really only four seasons of life. Four seasons in life. He said, there's the season where you believe in Santa Claus. 
There's the season you don't believe in Santa Claus. There's the season you are Santa Claus. And there's the season you look like Santa Claus. There are four seasons of life. Now, I don't know if that's accurate, but it, it made me think about which season I'm in. I think I'm in between the believing and not believing. That's where I'm stuck. No, I'm more of the being and the looking. But we're all in seasons of our lives. Every one of us is going through seasons. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, and I know we always start with chapter 3, verse 1, but I want to go one verse before this because remember the Bible was not written you know, verse 1, verse 2, they were letters, they were written, and they all go together. And sometimes where one chapter ends and another begins, it's really kind of broken. And so I want to add this verse because it's very important to connecting what's fixing to be said. Go with me to chapter 2, verse 26, and listen to what it says. For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to the man who is good in his sight. So that's that's pretty cool. If, if I impress God, if I am someone that God can trust or someone that God looks at and says, he, he's got it, he's doing good, then God says, my reward for this person is wisdom and knowledge and joy. And, and of course, we know that through wisdom and knowledge, we, we create our gain, we create our wealth, we create our blessings. It, it's, it's through wisdom and knowledge how we're not destroyed. And then he says, I give you joy on top of that to enjoy what you have. But listen to what he says. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. He says, the other side is this. There's somebody who is working hard, trying to make it, doing it all, trying to achieve that life, trying to reach that moment. And he says, I let them. That's the amazing thing. He said, you're going to see these people probably be very wealthy, probably be, be highly esteemed, be people that you would think are, are, man, they are doing it. Look at the car. Look at the house. Look at, look at, man, I mean, I wish I had their life. I had, but he says, I want you to look deeply. He said, these people toil every moment of their life to get, to keep, to hold. They're losing relationships with their families, their kids. They're losing relationships with all the other things. That Nothing else matters. It, it, you would think that, as, as we think, I've always grew up saying this, man, if I could ever get to here, I'd retire. I'd, I'd just live on it. I'd, I'd have a nice, but you notice those people never do that. They never reach a point to where they say, the third house is enough. The, the third car, the fourth, the, I'm happy now. No, no, the problem is, is if you walk away from God and you decide that I'm just going to work and I'm going to, in my life, find happiness. I'm going to find what life's all about. He says, here's what you're going to do. You're going to spend your entire life working only to give it away at the end. He said, you're going to spend your whole life. And he says, that he may give to him who is good before God. God says, I'm going to make sure that somehow it trickles its way back to the people I promised to bless. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. 
I see people every day grasping at wind, grasping for something that they think they can hold on to, collecting something that will always be theirs. There's only one problem. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. Now look what he says. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. There we go. For everything, to everything, there is a season. A time for every purpose under the heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. There's a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down, a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silent and there's a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. The writer of Ecclesiastes is trying desperately to get you to understand what life is really about. It's, it's about the consistency of change. Life in its best is the consistency of change. Every one of us in this room is having to deal with change in our life. Every person in this room is having to deal with a season that's coming or a season that's going. The problem we have in this world is that we're trying to finally get to a point of utopia to where we can actually say we have arrived, we've made it. Now we can be happy, a place that will never be. It's, it's, it's a phrase that I hear all the time in our society. When you ask whatever group, that, whether it's the, the, the green group or, or, or whatever it is, are, are, are we doing good? Well, we've made some strides, but we've still got a long way to go. You ever hear that? From every group, we've made some strides, but we've still got a long way to go. I'm thinking, well, then what's the destination? There isn't. That's the problem. The next thing that gets done, the next thing that's said, the next thing, it will always be something else that needs to be done or something else that needs to be given or something else. Why? Because remember what Ecclesiastes said, I'm going to give you the futility of chasing something that you will never be able to have. Because what you're doing is, is you're trying to hold on to a season that cannot be held on to. Do you know, even in churches, that's the way it works? Let, let me read this for you uh, real quick. This sits, hangs in my office. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, I have things that people think are favorite things that to me, you know, to you, they're like, you need to just get rid of that. But to me, that's my favorite thing. It, it is a report of new church organized. I found this when I got here 26, nearly 27 years ago. And it just says, the state of Mississippi uh, 
recognizes that, that this, the, the uh, name of the church, the Forest Church of God, and he names the clerk, and name, the number of members at this time was 12, 12 people. The date they were organized was March 24th, 1960. I know it and I keep this because one of my favorite preachers that I listened to growing up on tapes, cassettes back in those days, was a man by the name of Wade H. Horton. He was the general overseer twice for the Church of God. He he was an incredible man. He he would he would when he preached, he'd get so excited, he'd cry and scream out like an Indian. I mean he he just go, and he would just get crazy, man. And I mean, I would just love that when he, when he would cut loose and, and, and just get so excited he couldn't stand it. He was the state overseer, just happened to be the state overseer of the time, and he signs this at the bottom as being the one who found it. And think, since 1960, if, if I could bring him into this building today and say, can I tell you some things changed since 1960? Th- that, that little church that you organized it was in a house at that time. It wasn't even a church. It was a house. And basically they took old theater chairs, like chairs like you have here, and they screwed them to the living room floor. That was the sanctuary. And for years I had one of those, and just through moving in time, I couldn't keep up with everything. It was just old wood back chairs, just theater chairs. Had them screwed to the floor. The family slept in the bedrooms and had the kitchen And that was where everybody lived in the, quote, parsonage slash church until they built a building on 16-section land, which they could never own, but they built a building. Didn't take the time to really do the slab as well as they needed to because we know that because from the moment it was ever built and poured, it cracked right down the middle. And they would tar it down the middle, and, and, you, and, and if you go to Bank Street right now and look at it, on the back side, there's this crack all the way through it about this wide. Because no matter what you do, that building was cracked. When I moved here 26 years ago, the office, when it rained, would be underwater. It had done cracked and sunk to where I had to be real careful. I had a lamp on my desk, and, and I walked in there just in that wet carpet, and I would sit down, and this was my office, and, and, and I would think, Lord, if I come to meet you today, let them know it was not suicide. <laughs> I was just studying, and I knocked the lamp off. It was by accident. Don't let them. Oh, Pastor Lott, he just took all he could take. He just killed himself in his own office. No. And I think of when we became incorporated, and all Seasons Incorporated, Worship Center Incorporated. And we moved and we bought and we built and we rebuilt and we rebuilt and we built and we... You know, there have been a lot of changes. When I first moved here, you couldn't have preached without a suit. I mean, man, everybody nearly came to church wore a suit. Yeah, they would have looked at y'all really weird. They would have thought you needed prayer. You were what they were praying to meet. The heathens. The music we would have sung would have sounded nothing like today. And some of that I still love and love to play it and love to go back. But but the problem is I, I can't go back to 1982. I loved the Gold City Quartets and I grew up on that and but it's, it's changed. 
And don't change stink. Don't you wish we could ever get to just one? And there's some churches and some places you, I can take you to today, and they're still 1982. And they can't figure out why everybody's not getting on board. Why can't they sing what they used to sing? Why can't the preacher stand behind the pulpit? Why, why can't they do things the way they, why is it got, I mean, you turn, you don't even want to turn on the TV and see these guys. They're in spandex britches and sweatshirts and, and all kind of hairdos and, and I'm thinking, I'm not even sure they're saved because I struggle with change. And they're reaching thousands and thousands of people. And I'm thinking, how can they reach thousands of people? This is ridiculous. No, just change. It's just, it's just the fact that in our lives, seasons will come and seasons will go. And life, whether you like it or not, is full of them. In fact, if I describe this society for you today, let me just give it to you this way. We live in a society to where everything is unsatisfactory. It's full of emptiness. It's full of frustration. It's full of confusion. Those are the words that highlight, that, that, uh, that mark our society. And it's all because we don't like and we can't stand and we don't want to adjust to the changes that are taking place all the time. We just went through that this week. I told you we live in three, three seasons in, in Mississippi. Summer lasts for about nine months. And then there's spring, it lasts for two months. And there's about a month of fall. Maybe sprinkle a cold morning or two. That's our seasons. And when God changes things or when things change, all of a sudden it's like, oh my, we're not prepared. Nobody is. Nobody likes winter. Nobody likes the seasons they don't like. Everybody likes the seasons we're going, we're doing, we're, we're moving even in Houston, they didn't even have enough trucks. What do you mean you, you, you don't have enough? Why would we spend money on that for something that very rarely happens? We adjust our lives. We built our lives so that we prepare ourselves for things that happen most often, but we don't build our lives for things that happen rarely. That's why most of us don't, don't own Heavy coats, and when I go shopping, it, I, I'm not buying no big old heavy coat. When am I going to wear it? When am I going to use it? Isn't, it? isn't it great that one morning where it's like, where's my coat? It's cold. We're not used to it. It's, it's seasons of our life, and, and this morning I want you to understand as I'm just setting the framework, over the next four weeks, five, I'll be dealing with winter, spring, summer, and fall. But I just want you to understand the importance now of seasons. Listen, number one, know this, that to everything, everything, there's a season. To everything, there is a season. And if you don't move through the seasons, you'll get left in one of them. And you'll keep wondering why it doesn't change. Go with me to Romans 8 and 28. Romans 8 and 28. Whether you enjoy them or not, we love some of them, don't like some of them, but listen, changes and seasons are coming. There's seasons I've liked. There's seasons I don't like. 
Here's what Romans says. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. We know that all things, look at the person beside you and says, things. Not the same things, all things. I love how the apostle writes this. He he doesn't just write, you know, the same old things. He says, no, all the things, all the things that happen in our life. Just like Ecclesiastes says, a time to do this and a time to do that. It's all going to happen. When Ecclesiastes chapter 3 begins, it begins with the very first thing. It says, there's a time to be born. That you had nothing to do with. But other than that, everything else listed on that is an experience. It's something that in your life you will have to experience. A time to be quiet and a time to talk. A time to fight and a time to have peace. There's a time to do this and a time. Everything else listed there is an experience that somewhere, and some of us, if I read that to a five-year-old, he's going to think, what does that mean? If I read it to me, I'm thinking, yeah, remember that. I remember going through that. Ooh, remember that fight. Shouldn't have said that. Should have kept my mouth. You live long enough to realize that you are going through seasons. Number two thing I want you to realize is not only that everything, there's a season, but number two, we must resist our reluctance to face inevitable change. You must resist the reluctance to face inevitable change. What has made all seasons what it is, is because we embrace change. Now, there's some things that don't change. The Bible is still the same Bible I preached all those years ago. The Word is still the Word. It's the, it doesn't matter if I'm wearing blue jeans or I'm wearing a suit. It doesn't matter. All, not some things are, are eternal. But whether I use pews or chairs is not an eternal thing. Whether I sing out of this book or that book or off the wall, it's not an eternal thing. And I've had to learn in my life that there are things that, you know what, I have to realize that it is changing. And to fight that and to be reluctant of that is to get stuck in a moment where God leaves me behind. The third thing that I would want you, and, and I'll show you this scripture. Go with me to 1 Peter 4, 12 through 13. Job says it this way. Job said in his, his book, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. So he understood that when I'm tried, when, it, when change comes, when things happen, I'm going to go through it, it's going to be okay. Here's why Peter would say the same thing. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning fiery trials which are to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. When something happens, when something changes, when when seasons turn, don't think it's something strange. It's normal. But rejoice to the extent that you partake with Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. The third thing I want you to realize today is simply this, is that we must adjust our attitude We must adjust our attitude in order to face change humbly. And and this is not easy. And I'm going to share it with you. So we've got the groundwork, so let's get started. 
I've told you about how society is. Let me say it this way. The Bible was not written in our normal language. The Bible is becoming more and more distant to us because the Bible was written in farmer language. The Bible was not written in iPod language or iPad. It was not written in a microwave language. It was not even written in any form that we have today where instantaneously we have popcorn or we instantaneously do. The Bible was written in a farmer's... So all the illustrations, all the discussion is always... Even when Jesus comes later, you say, well, Jesus was a carpenter, but his illustrations were always about farming. Why? Because farming is the way the Bible is written. It's how God designed everything to flow. He understood that it is a seasonal thing. He understood that through this is how life is going to be. You can't change it instantaneously. You can't just wish it away. You can't just make it go. You can't just say, I don't like this and I don't want it no more. You can't just lock yourself up and, and just make all the bad. You can't stick your fingers in your ear and just say, I'm just going to just, just sit here. You can't take enough drugs to get away from it. You can't drink enough alcohol to get away from it. You can't do enough stuff. You can't cheat on your mate enough. You can't do whatever you want to do to try to escape the fact that life will be changing around you consistently. You can't. No wonder we live in a society frustrated. We got all this stuff. We got all this technology. And the new technology will make life so much easier. And guess what? The new technology has not made your life easier. It's just giving you more knowledge. The smartest thing you'll ever do is turn off Facebook. Have you not realized you got enough issues yourself? Some of y'all are so dumb. You need to know four other people's issues. It's bad enough I can't sleep my own life. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about... My wife was telling me something yesterday. It just, like, why do you tell me that? It was about a, a kid that, that, that disappeared and, and all this stuff and, and, and this happened. I'm like, there's a reason I, God didn't share that with me. If you just say, hey, there's a situation, be praying for it. I'm praying. I don't need to know. Bro, that's no. We live in a society we think that we can instantaneously, quickly solve. Listen to me. The problems that you have today, the Bible makes clear, is enough for today. You want to help yourself? Fix your problem today. Tomorrow I'll have a whole new set. Don't worry. You just focus on the one you need to do today. And quit worrying about everybody else's problems. Just fix yours. What do you need to do today? What, what do you need to do today? I need to go home and pick limbs up out of my yard. Well, then go do it. I, I need it. Whatever the problem is for today, let it be enough. Because understand, a farmer lives this way. Farmers don't talk about other stuff. Farmers hang around each other. They show up for breakfast. They sit around and they talk about what? What, what's fit? You hear it's about to rain. They talk about the stuff that's going to affect all of them. 
They don't talk about the stuff that you're never going to see a farmer come into a quick stop, never have have I, maybe you have, but I've never seen one show up in a quick stop where they all them farmers meet and they got that sausage biscuit and one of the farmers walks in and sits down and puts his hat down and he says, guys, can I just share with you about what's going on, me and my wife? I can see the other farmers like, oh, I got to go. First off, I don't want to hear it. I got enough problems. Anybody, anybody ever been around farmers? See, God spoke to farmers. He did not speak to our modern iPad mentality of society. And, and you're trying to put a Bible in people that, that, that don't understand the language. Because they don't like to deal with seasons. We don't like to deal with this season that I'm going through, this problem, this issue. In, in fact, God wants more than anything else in your life, fruitfulness. If I was going to retitle this series, I would just call it How to Be Fruitful. I want to give you a definition for fruitfulness. Listen, fruitfulness is this. It's the demonstration of the transforming power of God, His life in us. That is fruitfulness. If I was talking about a tree, fruitfulness would be it is the apple that is inside of the tree that has made its way out and is now visible to everyone that this is an apple tree. Does that make sense? I know I used some bigger words. I didn't mean to. But it is the demonstration of what's in something making its way out. So when we say fruitfulness, it's the demonstration of the transforming power of God's life, of God, the tree, in us, which produces the fruit that literally brings about a quality. Now, we don't produce fruit like apples and oranges. We produce fruit which is called character. It shows up in our life in the form of character. So when we ask people, what is your character? We say through the fruit of the Spirit, we love, have joy, and peace, and long-suffering, and gentleness. See, when we say the fruit that God shows in us or through us comes out as character. So when I'm asking you as a Christian, how are you doing? What I'm really doing is, how is your character? What we think is, well, how are you doing? Well, things are good. That's not what I'm asking. How are you doing? Well, it could be better. That's not what I'm asking. Well, well, you know, I need some stuff to change. That's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is, how are you doing? Which means, if I were to look at you today is what is in God making its way through you so that the world can visibly see your character which represents God's character. So how are you doing? Not that it snowed or the power went out and all that, but how are you doing? How, how was my character during that? How did I talk during that? What were my words during that? What, what was my attitude during that? How did I? That is what God is looking for. So literally it brings about a quality character in a person. It changes us 
It changes us as to our character. It, it is who we are. So when I say fruitfulness, what I'm asking is, how is your character? Not what you're going through. Not what's happening. But how is your character today? How, how did you do today? How are you this morning? How did you talk this morning? How did you share this morning? Were you loving this morning? Were you hateful this morning? Were you... Did you show forth the fruit or were you a rotten apple? Which means something is wrong between the, the, the trunk, which is true and, and right and healthy, and somehow between there and when it came out of you, it got rotten. And since we know that the tree is healthy, because we see branches all over the place producing healthy apples, how come your branch is producing rotten ones? Something then must be wrong with the branch that's producing something. Well, but I've been going through cold weather. Well, all the other branches are going through cold weather. Well, I, 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 I've had a tough week. All, all these other branches on the tree are having tough weeks too. You, you're just a branch. You're not the tree. You're just one of the branches. So how come that branch over there is smiling and you're sitting over here wanting to beat somebody up? It's not the tree. Is this okay? Because, see, i got to work through this on me. And it may take me 12 weeks to get this done. But i got, I got to do this. So, so when we talk about different seasons, especially spring, winter, summer, fall, winter is that, is that season, if we just use it, and I'll be talking about it next week, but let me just share it this way. Winter is a season of rest. Winter's a season where everything looks dead. Next week, I'll have a tree up here with no leaves on it. It just looks like a dead limb. And you're going to think to yourself, well, that's a dead tree. If you go to the fruit stand right now and you buy a tree, a pear tree or a peach tree, you know what it looks like? It looks like a stick sitting in a, a pot. It don't have no peaches. I mean, I want to buy a peach tree. This is a peach tree. No, no, this is a dead tree. No, it's not dead. It's alive. It is ready to go. It's just in a season of deadness right now. There's no activity in it to be seen. That's winter. That's why we hate winter. We hate winter because can't do nothing. Can't can't go. Can't can't. Isn't that the worst part of what's what's been happening? I mean, you got people that have been wrecking all over the place. Go. You know, I, I had people while I was driving the last few days passing me. There's one lane that actually has no snow. The other lane is this deep. And, and somebody, whoa. And I mean, just all over the place, finally get back behind me. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, oh, Lord. I'm thinking, what are y'all thinking? I don't like it. I want to drive the way I drive. I want to do what I want to do. It's winter. You can't do it. It's a dead moment. You can't have visible sign. Nobody cares about your pipes right now. You can't go 85. If I was to ask Joel and others, when's the worst time for wrecks and stuff? When it rains. 
when it's not. Why? Because people don't want to change. They still want to drive. They still want to do. They still. Now, I know none of y'all are this way because we've talked about this, obeying the law. I'm just talking about there's other people. So this is not for you, not for Elise or anybody. This is for, this is for, <laughs> this is for people that drive normal. Let me tell you something about seasons. You can write these down. You don't invite a season into your life. They just come. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything right. You, you, didn't, you didn't make it happen. You didn't stop it from happening. Listen to me. Seasons just come into your life. And you didn't have any ability. They just come. And here's the second thing. You can't stop a season from coming. That bothers the stew out of me. I get into one season, I'm really rolling, man, it is going good, and then all of a sudden, it's like the temperature changed. Everything stopped. The next thing is seasons force you, they force you to cooperate. Just like these last few days. You don't want to. You don't, you don't like. I mean, I had, we had to take a mattress, and I don't want to take a mattress and drag it into my living room. But you know what? It, you know what the cold weather did? It forced me to cooperate. It didn't ask me to cooperate. It didn't say, do you like it? It just said, here it is. And you can fight it all you want. You can roll your windows down, put your shorts on, and go outside. But you will lose this fight. You will lose this fight. Either in the hospital or out of it, you're going to lose the fight. Because you can't stop a season, and seasons force me to cooperate. Seasons then bring its own advantages. God created the seasons. Because God was a farmer. And God, God says, go with me to Genesis 8 and 22. I'll show you. Genesis 8 and 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not... Why are you getting mad at God? He told you what's going to happen as long as you're alive. As long as you're on this earth, there will be seed time and harvest. You don't sow, you ain't going to reap. There will always be cold and there will be the same people that are complaining about the cold will be the same people when it gets 95 in the shade come summertime and be like, I'll tell you what, I'll be glad when fall gets here. I'll be glad. I can't take this heat. And there will always be summer and there will always be winter. In fact, You've had to adjust already some things. There will always be day and there will always be night. You don't fight it. You don't just decide, I ain't turning on my headlights. I rebuke the darkness. I'm just going to, I declare it will not get dark. You either have a wreck or the policeman will give you a ticket for not having your lights on at night. You can't change it. 
You can't change it. It's just part of. So, so when I look at church, it's the same thing. Listen, when we look at church, what tells the world we are really disciples? If we talk about fruit in our life, what tells the world we are really disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it our music? You know, we get our music going. Man, that, that boy, I'm telling you what, you can, you can, you can experience the music and experience. How, how about the preaching? Man, I'm telling you, you can hear the preaching and, and that lets us know, man, we're, we're, we're in the will of God. We're doing, how about worship? How about all the ministries that we do? All the ministries. And, and I love all the stuff that we're doing. We have kids' church and nurseries, and we have God's way, and we have all this stuff. We have incredible music. We, we have decent preaching. We have all this kind of stuff that goes on in our church and, and all this kind of things that happen. And you would think, man, that's telling the world that Jesus is alive. Or, because the answer is no, or is it our loving, our giving, our serving, our comfort, when we're willing to sacrifice our comfort for someone else's comfort, we're willing to share. Is that our love for one? Is that what tells the world that we are really disciples of Christ? Yeah. See, nobody cares about all the things that happens around the tree. They only care of what's coming off the tree. And we tried to, in our lives, we tried to fix that. We've tried to make it to where, well, look at all that's going on. Man, we must be in the will of God. Look how many people we run. Look at our, look at our buildings. Look, look at our programs. Look at, look at, man, look at our music. Look, we're on, we're on uh, YouTube. Look, we've got all this. We must be doing it right. And God says, no, none of that matters to me. It's just the fruit that comes off the tree is the only thing that means anything to me. So it brings us back to the question, what fruit are you producing? Since this is a farmer mentality, let me put it to you this way. If we're talking about a grapevine, if you rush the harvest, if you decide, I don't like my season, I don't, I don't like this, and you decide, I'm just going to pick everything too early, I know I'm supposed to wait till fall. I'm supposed to wait till the summer and, and, and all the, the juices and everything's had its time to ripen. But I'm just, I'm, I don't want to wait. I'm just going to pick it in spring. You know, when the grapes are just coming out, they're little bitty seedlings. They ain't hardly just little like little bitty green dots all over the thing. And I, I'm just going to pick that and I'm going to use that. You'll ruin it. How, how about if you decide this summer, you know what? I tell you what. We had all these tree limbs fall and all this stuff. When it gets warm, gets about June, I'm going to prune all my trees. You'll kill them. There, there's a season for everything, and you can't rush it. You can't make it go faster. You can't make it go slower. Listen, a farmer understands this, that seasons control everything that the farmer does. The farmer doesn't control the seasons. The seasons control the farmer. He realizes there's a time to plant. There's a time to harvest. And even understands winter. There's a time to rest. But what are you doing? Nothing. 
I remember going to Hawaii once and, and years ago for like our 10th anniversary and, and we go into a luau and there's this guy sitting beside us, him and his wife, and he's kind of a birdie looking guy. And I'm thinking, you fit in here like I do. So I want to know what you do. Because I didn't look like I belonged in Hawaii, and he didn't look like he belonged in Hawaii. And I asked him, I said, what do you do? He said, well, I'm from Arkansas or somewhere. I thought, oh, man, I'm, I'm from Mississippi. He's like, he's like, I'm like, what do you do? He said, I run a, a lawn service. I said, you run a lawn service? Yeah. And this was years ago, you know, because we've been married for at least 15 years, so that was at least five or ten years ago. So, so he said, yeah, I run a lawn service. Him and his wife, they just sitting there having a ball. And I said, well, and he said, he said, for about nine months out of the year, I work hard. He said, I'm mowing grass. I'm doing this. He said, he said, but after that, he said, me and my wife, we pick a place to go. We just enjoy. We just, just kind of chill out for two or three months till I get started again. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you could be getting a lot done. But see, he understands seasons. He understands, oh, no, no. Come March, grass will start growing, companies will start calling, and I'll be working. He understood that there's a season just to rest. It's one of the, it, was, it was a highlight moment in my life. You wouldn't think it, but it was a highlight moment in my life where I'm just watching this guy who owns a business, runs a, everything, does, and he's just sitting there like, I got nothing to do. I was like, you'll be sharpening lawnmower blades. You could be getting ready. There's a season of rest. You ever see farmers, they'll just be sitting around, what you going to do? I think I'll just go down there and get some coffee. and <laughs> Just lazy. Oh, no. No, when it, when it comes, I'll be putting those 16 hours a day in. You know, when, you're, when you're going home and you see them lights on the tractors at night, still disking and tilling and still going, seem like 24 hours, 7, because I know there will be a window that I have to work because the seasons will change. And when the seasons change, I will have to change. A farmer understands, and he understands that he doesn't control everything. It's the seasons. And he understands this. That seasons of life speak to what we should be doing in our spiritual life. Seasons of life should be telling us then what I want to teach over these next four weeks is understanding that if I'm in winter, what do I need to be doing? If I'm in spring, what do I need to be? If what I'm going through right now in my life is at this season, what am I spiritually supposed to be doing to make sure that I'm moving toward a harvest? Ultimately, through winter, through spring, through summer, there should come a fall. There should come a moment to where I'm harvesting all the stuff. And guess what? Even if I harvest and I'm thinking it's all good, you still got to go through it again. But I don't want to go through it and not reap. Listen, there are seasons where everything's working. I love those seasons. <laughs> I love seasons where it seems like, man, the sermons I'm preaching are just, just like straight from God. I mean, it's just like, boy, it's just hot off the press. And then there's seasons in my life where it seems like nothing's working. You're going to go through that. It seems like there's seasons where our marriage, it's just where, I mean, if we could just stay right here. You'll look at them old pictures like, man, when we were there, that was, oh, if we could go back to that. I got news for you. You can't. 
That season is gone. You're a different person. They're a different. Time has changed. You're going to have to recreate another season of your life. You can't go back. The world keeps wanting to go back. The world keeps looking. You know, I can't tell many people, I wish I could go back to high school. What? I got a diploma. I graduated. I do not want to go back. I'm, I'm so many seasons past that. That means that I have to redo all these other seasons. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, some of them were very painful. There's some seasons that are going to be really good and some seasons that are not. Let me, let me read this to you. If we're not careful, we'll think these euphoria moments, we'll think these moments where everything is right is what Christianity even is about. I'm not just talking about life. I'm talking about churches. Why do, why do churches get stuck in where they're stuck and they still all look like they stepped out of 1990? I'm going to tell you why. It's not nothing wrong. It's because the euphoria of that moment. When I moved here years ago, Ephesus Baptist Church down in the country was the bomb. I mean, they had softball teams that traveled to Pearl. I mean, they had, you know, I mean, I, 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 I moved here and I thought, that's what I want. Man, to have a church one day, here I'm running 10, and I'm thinking, one day, I ain't even got enough for a softball team. If I had everybody play, I ain't got it. And they got softball teams, young families and things, and I'm like, oh. And I'm thinking to myself, that, that's what, and through the years I've seen others. I remember Hillcrest right here. Man, when we moved to here, Hillcrest was blowing up. I mean, just packed cars everywhere. And I thought, I want that. What happened? Sometimes the euphoria of a moment makes us think that that's the way it's always going to be. And if, it, and if anything changes, if, if anything happens, less means condemnation. You'll start hearing people say, well, we don't do it like we used to. We get back to doing it the way we used to. No. Listen, if you associate Christianity with nothing but joy and peace and power and waves of glory and mountaintop experiences and, 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 and you think everything's spring and a summer all the time and you're going to pick something, you know, 12 months out of the year, 12 months out of the year, we're going to pick fruit. 12 months out of the year, we're going we're gonna to just go outside and our garden's going to keep producing. And tomato plants I planted five years ago just going to keep on producing every, every day, every month, every year. And listen to me, it doesn't work that way. And God says life and church doesn't work that way either. A vine cannot produce 12 months out of the year because, listen, it's imperfect. It needs to restore. It needs nutrients put back from the soil. It needs change. Even though we don't like it, all these limbs that broke and all the stuff. Do you know that it is healthy for the trees, for some of those limbs to be broken off? It makes the whole tree healthier. It determines which ones have grown too much and are carrying too much weight and they need to be. We don't like it because they fell across our driveway or they did, but it would have probably fell across the whole trees one day and could have hurt or damaged. God says, listen, I'm using the seasons to correct the things. I'm using the seasons even while the snow is on the ground. We're thinking, man, I heard somebody two years ago say, man, these fire ants are just can't control them no more. 
We don't even, we can't even hardly poison fire ants anymore. One guy told me, he said, you know how you get rid of it? How? He says you need at least 10 days of below zero temperature or below freezing. He said 10 days beats them back. And I thought, you mean God has a system? He has a fire ant system? Yeah. He said, yeah, cold weather. Go up north. You ain't going to find a whole bunch of fire ants. Why? Because the same thing that we think is hurting us is also putting the nutrients in our life. That guy that I met in Hawaii, while, while he's resting, he's putting nutrients back in his life so that when March and April comes, he's smiling, thinking about Maui, thinking about a luau while he's mowing grass. And somebody will say, why are you smiling? Oh, I'm just thinking about what we did this winter. Why? Because they go together. They work together. Listen, which was the best form of Jesus? Answer this for me. Which was the best form of Jesus? When, when Jesus was with the crowds, I mean, 5,000 men, I mean, feeding 7,000 plus at a time, that is incredible. Preaching and having to get on a boat so that the wave of your message can, can reverberate off the water so that more people can hear it. How about the miracles that he did? I mean, he, he's walking around and all these people are bringing people from all over, miles away, bringing sick people, bringing hurting people, bringing them to them. I mean, that is incredible. That is what you really want. That's, that's why we do church, man. Every Sunday, somebody needs to get saved. Every moment, somebody needs to get healed. Everything needs to happen all the time. I mean, people were already saying, he's a king. They were wanting to make him king of some of the cities he went through. We're going to build you a house, make you a king. You'll be our ruler. Many people saw him already as a savior. He's the son of David. He's... Is that the Jesus that we think about? Is that when we close our eyes? Man, I see Jesus walking around. I see Jesus healing people. I see Jesus. How about the Jesus when he's alone? Every morning he would get up by himself and to be alone with the Lord. Even in the last days of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's alone and he tells his friends, could you not just stay awake for a little while? How about when he's angry? I mean, but, but, I mean he, he's, he's wonderful. He's, but yet we see him walk into a, the temple and grab a whip and turn over money changers' tables and he's angry and he's kicking and swinging that whip around and saying, you're not going to turn this out. Is that the Jesus... How about when he's clinging to his father? How about when he's just hanging on a cross and why have you forsaken me, Lord? Is that the Jesus you close your eyes and say? See, the, the, the truth is, is all of those Jesuses are the same. They're just different seasons, seasons of his life. And if you close your eyes, if you try to always think of those euphoria moments, if you try to think church has to be this way and it has to do this and life has to be, and I always have to feel good and I always have to be smiling and I always have to... And you'll be like those people that Photoshop your pictures because you always got to be a certain way. Otherwise, they'll see the real you. And in our society, isn't that so much easier? 
to just make people think we're something. I was looking at the makeup thing the other day. It's so cool. Sometimes, you know, I don't want to be a girl, but if I was, certain things are like, that'd be cool. I have no desire to be a girl. Sorry. But they even got the little thing now like a paintbrush. You know, it's just like you just spray it on. I'm thinking, that has to be cool. I mean, it just covers wrinkles. It covers gaps and holes and gashes. I think it just fills it up with paint. Just When they come out, they look like a porcelain doll. I mean, they ain't got no wrinkle, ain't got no cracks, ain't got nothing. Y'all seen that? These ladies I know have seen that. I was telling my wife, I was like, that is the coolest thing. But then you got to think about her husband. You know, he's, he's coming home from work. She's coming home from work. She walks in all. She goes to the bedroom, puts on her britches and her warm-ups and puts on a sweatshirt, takes a wet rag. And she comes walking out. What do you think? You think, whoo, baby, whoo, what happened? Which one is real? The fact is they both are. They both are. My old friend of mine said years ago, old preacher friend, he said, when I was dating Elise, he said, you love that girl? I said, whew, I love that girl. He said, no, you don't. You don't even know what love is. I said, no, old man, I know what love is. I love her. I'm putting a ring on her finger. I'm, I love her. He said, listen to me, boy. He says, you'll know what love is one day. He said, you go get to bed, and she comes out of that bathroom. And he says, she's got the ugliest T-shirt on, some moo-moo-looking nightgown. You're thinking, what happened? Ain't no lingerie, just moo, just moo moo stuff now. It's like, like just comfortable stuff. And he said, she ain't got no makeup on. Hair is like all pinned up. She got stuff rubbed all over her face and neck. And, and he said, she comes walking towards you like, and you know what you think? That's the best looking woman I've ever seen in my life. He said, then you'll know what love is. And I, I I haven't got there yet. At least still, she don't she don't how to do none of that stuff. So, but one day when we get there, I feel like I feel like I'm going to say that same thing. Which is one is Jesus? Listen, you can't always leave leave live healed. I had to learn that, even though I have a covenant of healing. Even though I tell you I, I don't get sick, and I haven't and I haven't caught the virus and I have, don't expect to and, and, and I might it's not that I'm trying to tell you oh we'll get nothing I'm just telling you I, I believe I'm always healed that's a covenant through God's word I've accepted but does that mean oh, well, he's always healed no I get sick there's times where I get the flu or pneumonia there's times where it's like and it's almost depressing like I'm not supposed to be sick and I want to tell myself you know sickness you can't stay with me I rebuke you and, and I'm, I'm notorious for it usually when I get the flu it get, turns into bronchitis, pneumonia. It turns into like double bronchitis. I mean, I don't know how you get double stuff, but I get the double stuff. And usually the way it ends is like this. My wife will finally look at me and she'll say, you're sick. And I'm like, no, I'm not sick. Get in the car. And I'll get in the car and they'll take me to a clinic or something. And I'll walk in. Of course, even people that are sick kind of look at me like, ooh. And they, they're like... 
he's like dying sick. He, he's not good. I mean, I, I've, I've been wrapped in trench coaches just sitting there, you know, like, like I'd have to die to get the feeling any better. You know, it's just it's like, and I walk to the back and that doctor will say, well, you're sick. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, yeah, you are. And they'll give me those shots, put me in a car and say, you got to do this for two or three days. And two or three days I get to feeling better. And I'll have to admit, well, I was sick. Duh. You can't always be healed. Even faith healers. Here's here someone will give you some shocking. Faith healers, they're all going to die of something. Everybody you see on TV that lay hands on people and pray for people and believe for miracles all the time, they dying of something. Yep, it don't matter. They, one day they're going to lay their hand. It's like, I rebuke it. And they, it ain't going to work. It's just part of life. Listen, we have to learn to embrace the seasons that you're headed to. Somebody right now may be in spring, and we'll understand this later. You're in spring. But you've got you to learn to let go of the spring and move to the summer. Some are in summer. You got to let go of summer. It's it's you've got to learn to embrace the season that you're in. And the second thing you've got to do is you've got to learn to let go of the seasons that are past. And that's hard, ain't it? Somebody hurt you, and you've been in that season. It's hard to let go of that to move to a different season. It's hard to move to new season. But listen to me. I always think of the story of Peter. And I, and I see it so clearly that way. I, you may see that story differently, but. Those 12 men are in a boat. And the boat, it says, is sinking. So if I'm in a boat and I know it's sinking, I know this is not working. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking on the water. And as Jesus comes walking on the water, they're all afraid, thinking they're already dead. They think, we drowned, didn't know it. We're seeing a ghost because that's where the fishermen thought. If you start seeing ghosts, you don't even know it. You're already dead. You just drowned and didn't know it. And that's what they're thinking. We're already dead. There comes Jesus walking on the water. And they cry out, is it you? And Peter says, is it you, Lord? And he says, it's me. And Peter does something amazing. He said, if it's you, tell me I can come out to you. And he yells back and he says, Peter, come. And 11 people miss their miracle because they're hanging on to a boat that they know is sinking because they're comfortable. They're used to it. They're conditioned for it. And one man steps out of the season that he's in and says, I'm willing to try a new season. I've never walked on water before. And I may mess it up, and he does. But he says, at least I'll know I've stepped out, not just of the boat, but I've stepped out of my old season into my new. And he gets to tell a story that the other 11 don't get to tell. The other 11 have to sit and listen to Peter, and they ask him, what did it feel like on your feet? Well, it felt just like walking on land. You, you couldn't feel the what He's having to explain to them the feeling of something that they too could have experienced. But they were stuck in where they were. And they were willing to die 
in something they knew was going down than to let go and try something new. I'll say this in close. I know I burned a lot of time. God wants variety in your life. You're going to cry out all the time, Lord, I want to stay here. Lord, I want to stay here. I want, I want our marriage to always be here. I want, I want this season to stay. I want, listen to me. If he leaves you in that season, you will abort the fruit of the season that's to come. If I would have stayed over in that building, I will have aborted the fruit from this building. If I, if I abort, if I say I don't want God to do anymore, I'm just, I'm through, I will have aborted this fruit from the, my next season. God says, I love you too much and I, I see your future too greatly to let you stay in this season. Enjoy the season. Enjoy the season that you're in. But remember the next season also has its own fruit. You may not want to go through it, but it has its own fruit. Variety brings strength and growth. And strength and growth bring maturity. Let me sum it up this way. Let's look at Jesus one more time and talk about seasons. He's our illustration. Jesus is in heaven. He, he, he is worship, cherubim, cherubims, praise Him. He is, he is the Son of God. He is, he's got it. He has, he has no need of anything. And the father looks over at him and says, I want you to do something. I want you to leave this and I want you to go into a body of a human being. I want you to live a human life. I want you to live and I want you to, to exist that way. And Jesus is willing to walk out of this season and into a new season. He steps into this season, and now he's a young boy. He's just a young boy playing and growing and, and, and throwing rocks in the water like everybody else and and. and he likes this season. It's a good season. How do you know, Brother Lot? Because when he's 30 years old and his mother tells him, hey, we don't have wine. He said, woman, don't you know it's not time yet? What's he doing? I like this season. I like the, the not people knowing me. I like the fact that I don't have all this pressure. And God says, seasons have changed. I want you to lay down your carpentry tools. I want, you to, I want you to lay down all your woodworking stuff. I want you to, all the stuff that you've done since the age of 12 to the age of 30, I want you to lay it down. That season's over. I want you to go to the River Jordan. I want you to get baptized. When he comes, John says, I need you to baptize. He says, no, do it. As soon as he comes up from the water, the Spirit Sins on him like a dove. God speaks through the clouds and says, this is my son in whom I'm well. Why is he pleased with me? He ain't done any miracles because he's willing to walk through the seasons. Immediately the Holy Spirit takes him and takes him up into the wilderness. Guess what? A new season. Boy, what is it wonderful for God to speak out of heaven. This is my son. Man, it's awesome. It's amazing how those mountaintop moments immediately become winter. And now for 40 days and 40 nights, he doesn't eat anything. He doesn't drink anything. He's tempted to the devil. Not just those three times. The Bible says for 40 days and 40 nights, he is enduring temptation and torture. And he's enduring all this. And finally he wins and overcomes this. Spends three and a half years preaching and teaching, and man, now it's back on top. I'm, 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 people are loving me, and 
wanted me to be their king. And man, I'm doing miracles. And then God says, seasons change. It's time to go. I need you to tell those 12, tell them goodbye. Tell them you love them. But you got to go. There in Gethsemane, he embraces the next season. Lord, if there be any way that this, this doesn't have to happen. No. But not my will, but your will be done. And he goes through a season. He endures for hours, torture, pain, crucifixion, and death. But three days later, there's another season. And God cries out again, Son, come forth. The Bible says He endured all of that for what lay ahead of Him. Even despising, even the cross, He endured it all because of what God said lays ahead of you. Listen to me very carefully. You can't fight your seasons you can't change your seasons, but you can grow through every one of your seasons. And hopefully over the next several weeks, and they won't be as long as preaching as I've done today, but hopefully over the next several weeks, I'll show you how to endure winter, how to embrace spring, how to be productive in summer, and how to reap in your fall. Hopefully I can show you what you're to do during every one of those moments. And as life is going to bring you seasons, you will know how to grow and embrace and how to become the person, the character that God has for you. So that you can produce more fruit and be more productive than you even are now. I know it's hard to imagine, it is for me sometimes, how much more productive I am now than I was 20-something years ago. How more productive I've become through the years. And now, this next week or two, I'm fixing to have to travel the state and talk to other ministers. Ten years ago, 15th, that would have been an impossibility. Now, I'm one of the most respected pastors in the state. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying, over time, Winning some battles, I've earned respect. To when now I can walk into a room of other ministers and I can say, listen to me, guys. It took a lot of seasons. took a lot of journey. And I have no idea where God has it all wrapping up. I just know that the seasons He brings in our life are meant for us to grow Stronger and better. Even this last week of your little bit of winter was just a test to let you know, hey, you might still need to grow. I found out I don't handle it as well as I used to. I was a little bit grumpy, a little upset. God has really had me crunk down. Preaching on winter next week will be very easy. 
because I have buildings sitting here on the ground. I had snow on my slabs. And I'm thinking, God, why is there a winter? I mean, every other, it was showing last night on the news, I almost wanted to just pray. Not in a good way. It said, the average last week was 35 degrees. The average this next few days, next few days is going to be 60 degrees. And then at the bottom, just to stick it in me real good, it said the normal average for February is 67 degrees. And I thought, the one year. That's the average. That means there's been years in February, it's been 70s. And, 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 but no, you get winter. Hope you're with me next week. We'll have some fun. Thank you for allowing me to preach to myself. Would you pray with me? Father, God, as we walk through this these next several weeks, give me the insight, the wisdom that I need to share what's in my heart with your people. I know I took a little time today, but I need this to settle. I need them to realize we can't fight seasons. We can't, but like a farmer, we have to embrace the season that we have. Can't make it go any faster. We can't make it go any slower. But God, we can grow in whatever season you put us in. The Apostle Paul said it best. He said, I've learned that whatever condition, whatever place, I've learned to be content. He learned to adapt to whatever season, whether it was prison, whether it was preaching, whether it was moments of euphoria or moments where he was being beaten or shipwrecked. God, teach us so that our character every day of our life produces great fruit so that the world can see it, they can take from it, that they can see that you're good. And Father, I praise you for this. Because there's a world that needs to see it these days. This microwave world needs to see it badly. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.